Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Now I get the privilege of inviting up this morning one of the classiest ladies I've ever met. Um, she really is an amazing part of this community. She is married to Wayne Barthus. Some people call him Wayno the Maino. Some people, I don't know who calls him that. Um, but actually, we know that behind this man is an incredible lady. She, Her son, Lee, is sitting on her other side, her right side. I got confused there for a moment. Um, but uh, And really an amazing lady. She's also the principal of our school and runs a school like an absolute machine and just loves people in an incredible way. Whenever I hear of stories of challenges or big things or things going on in people's worlds, a second later, I hear the words, but don't worry, Jen is meeting with me. Don't worry, Jen is looking after me. Don't worry, Jen is on it. Um, so really want to honor you this morning, Jen. You're an incredible part of this community, and we are so, so excited to hear what God's put on your heart this morning. Life changes. Let's give her a big, big round of applause. Thank you, Ty. Um, so I'm just going to drain it in a little. I'm not nearly as loud as Edwin or Tyler, and I don't have nearly as much energy, so just bear with me. So my introduction to a devoted community was in a little place called Mitchell's Plain. Most of you will know it as the Cape Flats. Most of you won't know that in a colored community like this, everyone knew everyone. I spent 22 years of my life there. It was home to me. It's still home to my mom and my dad and two of my four siblings. And <coughs> in this place... Like I said, everyone knew everyone. All your neighbors were your aunties and your uncles, and all their kids were your friends. So we spent all of our time together. We played together every single day after school. We couldn't really afford to go away on school holidays. So even school holidays were spent together. If you wanted to expand your friendship circle, you went to the park adjacent to yours. You brought friends over from there, and everybody played together then, and you were all friends. So that was community for me. I'm also the youngest of five kids. So community kind of came naturally to me. It was just something very easy. <clears throat> Looking back on my childhood in Mitchell's Plain, there was one incident that really epitomized a devoted community to me. I was about six or seven years old, and I was walking home from school, which shock horror, I know. In our community, that was completely normal. The schools were around the corner, and yeah, everybody walked home. So anyway, I was walking home from school, and I got home, and I was locked out of the house. My siblings weren't there, neither of my parents were there, and it was raining, and I was little, and worst of all, I really needed to use the loo. And nobody was playing outside because it was raining, and I, I simply couldn't hold it anymore, and I kind of made a mess of myself. So here's this six or seven-year-old little girl standing outside of our house, sobbing her heart out in a complete mess, and our opposite neighbor who lived about, she still lives there, about 40 meters away, she happened to look out of the window and she saw me standing there. So she came out in the drain, she fetched me, took me home with her, she gave me a hot bath, washed my clothes, and then she fed me and she clothed me in her grown-up daughter's oversized clothing, but I was warm. So now this couldn't have been pleasant for her. I was stinky, I was miserable, and I wasn't her responsibility. But she loved me, she fed me, she kept me safe and sheltered until my mom came home. Isn't that what church should look like? <clears throat> the model set out in Acts is that they devoted themselves to community, to each other. We are not meant to walk as Christians on our own. 
God has given us the gift of community in the body of Christ. When Jesus commissioned and he sent sent out his disciples, he sent them out two by two. Even Jesus didn't walk on his own. He walked with 12, 12 disciples. Even in his quiet moments on his own with the Father, Peter, James, and John, they were never far behind. If you think of the Apostle Paul, he didn't take on this mantle of apostle and just plant churches and walk away. He maintained relationship and he devoted himself to relationship, even from a prison cell. So how does God model devotion to us? Obviously, there's the massive resounding answer of Jesus Christ, his son, who he sent and died for us so that we could be reconciled to him. But think about the more subtle moments. Those moments in worship when your heart just becomes completely overwhelmed. Think about reading scripture for the first time, or even the 100th time, and somehow there's this beautiful heart revelation. Think about those moments when you're in a space and you receive a random message or somebody walks up to you and they say exactly what you're needing to hear at the exact right time. I believe that that is God modeling his devotion to us. Just think about that. The God of all the universe who created heaven and earth and all that is in it, who has billions of souls to care for, is choosing to meet with you one-on-one intimately in that moment. That is devotion, and it blows my mind. I honestly do not believe that God would call us to be devoted to something that he is not devoted to himself. I believe that with all my heart. So sometimes in our journey, we have to look at ourselves, and sometimes we're in a mess, and we can identify with six or seven-year-old Jen. And in those times, guys, those are the times we submit and devote ourselves to people in a community who would love us, even when we're stinky, and would keep pointing us to Jesus as he helps us out of our mess. Sometimes we have to be the neighbor, and we have to deal with someone else's mess, even when they are stinky and miserable. And sometimes that means that we have to make somebody else's problem our own. Sometimes it means putting yourself in a position where you're completely uncomfortable, And sometimes, even most times, it will benefit us absolutely nothing. So Acts 2, 42 to 47 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What came after they devoted themselves? Selling all their possessions and distributing it amongst each other. I don't believe that that is a financial model that God is asking us to follow. If God is telling you to do that, by all means do so. But I believe God is showing us that they gave everything of themselves. Everything. They didn't hold back. Now ask yourself, are you holding back? And what are you holding back on? Is it time? Is it space? Is it finances? Now ask yourself the question, what are you holding back for? So what else came with devoting themselves? Verse 43 says, all came upon them. Signs and wonders were experienced. Verse 46, they had glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, they found favor and they grew. Allow me to end on a slightly cheesy note just for you, Quentin. You know how you see pictures of sunsets and they're so beautiful, but no picture can truly capture the 
full beauty of a sunset. You actually have to be sitting maybe on a beach experiencing an icy cold wind to truly experience and see the beauty and wonder and glory of God's sunset. In that same way, don't just live through what I'm going to be telling you, what, what Edwin's told you, what whoever else is preaching tells you. Experience the beauty of community yourselves. Thank you. Amazing, amazing. Actually, can we give Jen another round of applause? That's so powerful. I'm going to be finishing us off this morning. I'll be our our number three preacher, just with a couple of really, really simple thoughts that I'd love to share. I've got seven minutes to do this in. Come on. Um, But just wanted to start this morning by telling a quick story as we get started is... uh, I became part of this community when I was uh, 16 years old. I got saved, fell in love with Jesus. And then uh, a friend who I had met at my complex invited me to Life Changes and said, Hey, why don't you come and join us? I was so excited. I came. I was petrified. I sat in the back row. I didn't know what was going on. And I remember I started meeting a couple of people. The people who invited me were 20 minutes late for church. So I sat very petrified, not knowing anybody, but slowly but surely got stuck into community. And I fell in love with this church. I fell in love with the community of God. I didn't understand it. I didn't completely get it, but I fell in love with this expression. And so I I got stuck in, I pushed into the space, and I remember um, getting stuck into youth, getting stuck into kids' ministry, because if you're a teacher or you're under the age of 18, you have to do kids' ministry. Um, And so slowly but surely, I got stuck into that space. I got stuck into serving on AV. I was here early on a Sunday night setting up. I was loving community in life group at youth on a Friday. And I remember I got to my 18th birthday, and I didn't really have any plans for it. And so an incredible man in this community named Gabe Phillips said to me, hey, why don't you come and we'll have a bri for your birthday? And I was so excited for this bri and I, I, I built myself up at the time. I was driving a little silver scooter that was falling apart with a helmet that didn't really work properly. Uh, it was very, very tight, so I couldn't ride for too long. Um, and so I had this and I, and I just thought, you know what, it's my 18th birthday. I, I would get 250 rands pocket money a month. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go buy myself a steak. And I went to the shop and I bought the biggest rum steak I could possibly find. I thought, you know, it's my birthday, Bri. And I was so, so excited. I got to the Bri with my steak. They started to Bri it. They seasoned it. They did that whole thing you do. They call it marinating. Um, and they, they marinated that steak for me. I was so excited. And I remember my mom phoned me as they were brying. She said, hey, I need keys for uh, the garage at the time. So I shot home to get her the keys on my little scooter, flying around the bends, just because I was so excited to get back to my stake. I gave her the keys, got back on my scooter, shot back to my birthday bri. And I saw, oh, wow, guys are getting busy eating. So I was like, yes. And I walked up to the bowl where my steak was supposed to be. And I looked into the bowl. And I looked over at Gabe. And I looked over at Kisa. I said, where's my steak, guys? And I remember them looking up at me and going, we don't know. And it took two years for me to get it out of them that it was, in fact, Gabriel Phillips that ate my steak that day. And so my point to you this morning is that sometimes community is going to take your birthday steak. Sometimes it's going to happen. But I want to tell you this morning that sometimes... In the midst of your birthday steak being stolen, it's taken me a long time to deal with that. As you can see, I'm getting emotional. 
Sometimes your birthday steak, sometimes it might be something a little bit more hectic, a little bit more intense, a little bit tougher. Someone offends you, someone hurts you. But I want to say to you this morning that in order to devote yourself to community, you have to take a faith step. In order to devote yourself to community, you need to push in to community. Pushing in is an action. It is not a passive thing. It is not a thing where you can stand and go, maybe I will push into community. I want to tell you this morning that actually in order for you to live in this beautiful community, the community of God, you need to make a decision to push in to community. It is a faith step in God. I want to tell you, don't let the small things get in the way of the big thing. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus designed community. Not you, not me, not the leaders of a church. Jesus designed community. And if Jesus designed community, then I want to tell you it's God's best for you. I want to tell you this morning, it might be tough at times. It might be difficult. Someone might steal your birthday steak. But I want to say this morning that actually God is calling you to take a faith step towards community. God is calling you to get over the little things so that you can live in the big thing that he has planned for you. Rory Dyer made this amazing statement. He said, maturity is walking with the same people for a long period of time. We live in a, a society that is get in, get out quick as you can. The, the longest period of time that millennials stay in a job on average is eight months. And we wonder why nobody is building a future for themselves. I want to say to you, that God has designed for you to be in a community and to walk with people so that you can become more like Jesus. Community is God's primary vehicle to make us more like Christ. It is not an optional extra. It is a gospel imperative. If you want to walk into everything that God has got for you, you've got to get over the small things and you've got to take some faith steps towards becoming devoted to community. If you want to walk into the radical future that God has designed for you, you need to take some faith steps towards community. You will get out of community however much you choose to put into it. It always amazes me when people live in the space where they go, well, you know what, I, I just feel like no one ever follows up with me. No one ever phones me. No one's my friend. No one does any of those things. But then I'll ask them, well, do you ever stick around on a Sunday for a coffee? No, I go straight home. Have you ever introduced yourself to anybody? No. They must talk to me. Have you ever, ever tried to go to a life group? No, I don't like that sort of thing. The challenge with that is unless you choose to push in and take a faith step and trust God with that faith step, because I know it's tough. I know it can be difficult. But trust God and He will bring breakthrough. You know, life groups, serving teams, um, Sundays where we say stick around for power hour for a coffee. You know, all of those things are just opportunities for a faith step. We create those. There's nothing particularly spiritual about a life group. It's a group of people meeting in a house. There's nothing spiritual about it. But when we choose to step into that in faith, it becomes spiritual. It becomes powerful. Why? Because we are taking a faith step in Christ. Can I ask us to stand? I want to pray for us. And as I pray, I would ask that you don't hear this prayer as a, oh, I'm just attending church on a Sunday, but rather hear it as a community. Father, I pray for this community this morning, God, that you would help us to take faith steps towards you, Jesus. I pray for every single person in this room that you would help them push into your community 
which you designed, you created, and which you have put us in so that we can walk in everything that you have for us. Jesus, this morning, put faith in our hearts to take a faith step and push in to community. Amen.